human-like um, lila or play of the absolute. And um, in this instance, then Ram is, uh, or the avatar, the appearance of, of the, uh, the descent of the Godhead, <coughs> divinity within time and spaces, <coughs> human-like <coughs> appearance. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, very popular um, narrative. And um, there are a number of versions of it. And I believe the original version would be the Valmiki Ramayana. And uh, within our main text that uh, is centered on Krishna, the, who is considered to be, for good reason, the fountainhead of all the different forms of divinity, all the different avatars within India and in different cultures outside of it and so forth and so on. That's a huge theological discussion, but um, within that text also, one of the features of that text is that it uh, it explains the... Um, it, it, I should say, it, it, it speaks at some length, amongst ten other subjects, about uh, avatar tattva, this idea of avatara crossing from up to down, how the uh, the Godhead who is beyond time and space and everywhere. Hmm. Some people can't see him anywhere and some people um, can't see where he is not right and different perspectives and he shows himself as as he as he chooses that's his prerogative a way to think about this is that that um, if the infinite wants to make itself understood to the finite, that will only be possible on infinite terms. The infinite cannot fit within the, the finite by the finite's demand. But out of its infinite, infinite capacity, it can do what the finite cannot. It can make itself known to the finite, understood. Known understood and to know is to love is to know hmm? so to make for the infinite to make himself known to the finite it's his prerogative right hmm? and we talked a little bit about this last night <coughs> excuse me for the Godhead to in the very least in terms of love, um, be compassionate. That's an odd way of speaking about it, perhaps, because it's it's generally thought that compassionate love in this world is the fullest expression of love. It takes us beyond a... It can uh, exceed or take us beyond the kind of provincial ideas of love, that I love my, my wife, I love my husband, I love my son, I love my daughter, I 
I love myself. I love my country. Uh, so, um, compassion, you could have compassion for your son, for your wife, for your daughter, for your country, but the compassion has the capacity in terms of an expression or a form of love to expand and be universal. It's hard for your love of your wife to be universal. Hmm? Because if you love your wife, then you're not supposed to love somebody else's wife. Hmm? And there is somebody else's wife. (laughs) So it's hard to universalize Hmm? some forms of love in this world. Hmm? But compassion can be universalized. So there can be love for all for all beings this is uh, kind of the there's a there's a there's a school within uh, buddhism perhaps it's it's prominent in the tibetan school um and a, i should say a vow within there of the bodhisattva to to uh, live in the world and forego nirvana hmm? um out of compassion for all of the suffering animation hmm? So it's a, a form, an expression of which, a school in which this idea of, of the universal love is um, <clears throat> advocated. So to say that God in the least must be compassionate is, is, is peculiar because we might think, well, God is, God's love is synonymous with, with, with universal love. What more could there be than that? What could there be beyond compassion as a, an expression of compre- comprehensive expression of love? Not a love that, if you look at it one way, it's love. You turn it around the other way, it's hate. I love capitalism. Turn it the other way, I hate socialism. So is it love or is it hate? So, so we're trying to get beyond that. We get to this universal, compassionate love that's love no matter how you how you look at it. What more could there be than that? Well, hmm. in brief, the Bhagavad teaches us that, and it's very practical, that for there to be compassionate love, hmm, there needs to be those who are in need of compassionate love, right? That's us. That's for sure. Hmm? Now, if we are to become enlightened hmm, by the compassion of saints and taught and and and, and we, we take the teaching to heart and so forth, hmm, um, and then we transcend the time-space continuum where the problem is, where there's a need for compassion. Hmm? Within the time-space continuum, there's a need for compassion because we're struggling hmm, with the constraints of time and space that, that seem to limit us beyond what we, what we, we feel we could be or should be. Hmm? I've often spoken along uh, along these lines that as human beings, uh, one of the things that differentiates us from less complex forms of life is this sense that comes to the surface in human life that we 
that we don't quite fit in the natural world. We got and naturalists or physicalists or materialists wouldn't say that, but they keep trying to make the natural world bigger, <laughs> so that it fit, that it, it doesn't fit for them either. <laughs> Crossed the ocean, came to America. It's thought to be a, whoever it was, Columbus or somebody. Thought to be a great thing. Depends who you talk to, <laughs> right? How good it was. We want to go now to the moon. Hmm. Question is, what we what will you do there? Hmm. Will you do anything different there than you're doing here? Then maybe you better not go. Hmm. What are you really looking for? I would say, you're looking for yourself. Everyone's looking for themselves and for the for the space that's big enough. And how big should it be? Well, and how long should the time be? We don't want to put any limit on that. So as human beings, we, we try to transcend, without thinking of it like that, the limits of time and space. And every time that we exceed a previous limit, whether it be in um, in sports or um, in any in science, hmm. we know something we didn't know. This is celebrated every time we we, we we inch further and seem to over over override the bound the previous boundaries. This is what human life is celebrating. Hmm. As I've sometimes said, if you go one ten thousandth of a second faster, then you get a gold medal and. It's a, it's a celebratory uh, event worldwide and, and so forth. So this, uh, this need to push the limits from our point of view, in the, in the sacred texts of the East's point of view, the Bhagavad in particular, is, it, it, this is what this is about, is that the Atma, the self, not the, not the, not the my, but the I. Hmm? My is a very small idea, hmm? and it's a false idea. You understand? Because nothing is mine. There is an identity that arises out of that mine, but it's as false as the idea that anything actually belongs to you, or that you can keep anything. If it's yours, you can keep it. But if you can't, the eye that's that's tied to it, that that, that arises out of that. Well, that's not going to endure either. Hmm? But there's a deeper I. Hmm? In this sense, I'm distinguishing it from my. It has no sense of my. Hmm? But it says that I am. It doesn't think I am this or that because I want this or that. Hmm? Or I think this or that is mine, which constructs an I falsely. Hmm? But in all the thinking that I am this or I am that, that could change, hmm, what remains the same is I am. I may think I'm American. I may think I'm, I changed my nationality. I may get out of here. I'll become a Canadian <laughs> citizen or whatever. Maybe the you know the case you may alter your 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 gender or in so many ways you um, you may move from being this to thinking that you're that. But in all of that. And this, the thises and thats are coming and going and changing, but what's constant in all that is that I am. I am not this. I am not that. 
I am is much bigger than I am this or I am that. Hmm. So the self, hmm. it's a, 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 a unit of uh, of consciousness in human life is the complexity of the human life biologically and psychologically affords this atma, this self that is the life in all species hmm? certain facilities that are not um, um, that less complex forms of life are not equipped with hmm? of course the atma is moving through different lives and different bodies when it has a human body it has then special facilities and we know that just practically speaking but from our point of view the special facility is that it gets to think about itself hmm? and that whether it knows it or not is prominent it's trying to be what it is it's trying to extend the boundaries and and not be limited by time constrained by time and space hmm? How much room do you want? How big of a house do you want? <laughs> how much time do you want? Hmm? How, as far as space, how accommodating? Do you, we could look at it like that. Hmm? Accommodations is space, right? So how accommodating means, we can otherwise say, how loving. Hmm? Be another way to speak about it, right? How much love do you want? And for how long? <laughs> so, well, we couldn't put a <laughs> we couldn't put a limit on that, right? Hmm? So this is what I mean by this implicit, inherent, uh, universal, intuitive sense, or without thinking about it, the way in which people are living hmm? to have unlimited accommodations, hmm? the most loving accommodation. That's the biggest space, even if it's just under a rock. It's big, right? And no time on that. So we want to live beyond, push beyond the constraints of time and space because we are a unit of something that transcends time and space, unit of consciousness. But we've identified with the time-space continuum, problematic, right? So we need compassion, to and saintly persons, sacred texts, and so forth that that speak to us that look at it in a different way, turn within rather than without, go within or go without. Hmm? <laughs> so these are kind of, kind of Zen, you know. Per, whoa, that's different. Hmm? Turn your head around, maybe to get you to stop thinking and know in a way that you cannot simply by thought. Beyond things, beyond thought is where we reside. So to realize that, some help, right? Now, if we are to be successful in that, we will have to reason in the in in the in the in in the course of arriving at that success that we were in this situation and that says something about our nature hmm? that we're we're subject to this condition where we're in ignorance where we think that 
acquisition will make me happy, when actually attachment is the womb from which suffering is born. I'm attached to something, means I like it. But the nature of it, the world is you can't keep it. So it's a recipe for, for suffering, for frustration. Hmm? Right? So the fact that I'm subject to this condition says something about me. While I say I'm different from matter, I'm not. I, I, I transcend as a unit of being the limits of time and space. I'm still subject to thinking otherwise and being deluded. Hmm? Which then, from our perspective, differentiates us as a unit of consciousness from the source of consciousness. Let me give you an example. The sun, let's compare the sun to the source of consciousness. Let's compare ourselves to like rays of the sun. Okay, the rays of the sun are the sun, but they're not the sun at the same time. They are the sun and they're not the sun. I might say, oh, the sun is in your room. Go in there and it's very nice. Hmm? Well, luckily, it's only the rays, <laughs> or it wouldn't be so nice. Hmm? But it's there, in a sense. Now, the rays, however, are also subject to being obscured by clouds hmm? produced by the sun. Hmm? That the sun is not. It's a cloudy day. Oh, there's no sun today. That's a From a particular vantage point, that may appear to be the case. But if we just go a little bit higher, well, it's very sunny up there, above the clouds, right? Hmm? So the point I'm making is that that if we need compassion, hmm, grace, hmm, a kind of all-consuming, comprehensive, universal love, outreach, hmm, hmm, that from where it's coming must not be subject to the same condition that we find ourselves in in order to be able to remedy our, situ our situation. Hmm? So our source is not, the sun is not subject to being beneath the clouds like some of the rays m may be. Hmm? So if we as rays, or let's say sparks of the fire, we may be separated by smoke, hmm? which is also coming from the fire. You can go beyond smoke, enter the fire. Hmm? So how will we how will we enter? The, what, what what do you mean by that? Well, we've already differentiated ourselves in a in a subtle way through our analogy as rays of the sun from the sun. Hmm? Hmm? So as an individual unit of consciousness from our source, how will we? make a union with our source. Hmm? Well, we're, we're talking about love. We're talking about compassion, right? So we would say it's a loving union. So in love there's a union, hmm? but it's not one that does away with the two that combine. You and I love, and you and I become we. It's a dynamic unity. It's not the cancellation out, the canceling of our individuality. Hmm? 
I can say, Swami, you and I are one. Well, I say, Jama and I are, are one. Nobody thinks that we're the same, you know, <laughs> it means that we're one in spirit, one in, we're on the same page. Hmm? Something like that. Hmm? So if every spark can be centered on the, on the source, hmm, then there can be very har- harmonious kind of unity and diversity at the same time. Hmm? Let's say, to use an example I have sometimes before, if you take a very beautiful and placid pond in the forest and you start throwing stones in it, well, it's, you know, then you've got to get up and leave. <laughs> so many stones. I was sitting there and I was, my mind was becoming like the pond. And it felt good, still and clear. Mm-hmm. And then some kids came and just started throwing stones. Huh? I've got to get up <laughs> and breaking my meditation. But... If I was to take stone and throw it in the pond, one stone only, it would become, the peace would become beautiful. Something added to it, the ripples, concentric. If I could take two stones, but I throw them in the same place, and three stones and four stones, and many stones as you want in the same place, we get larger but concentric ripples that beautify. The, the beauty here is like, Peace and love. Love requires is some movement. It's not just to sit still. There's some movement in love. So in this analogy, the movement, the ripples, hmm, are the movement. So if you take the stones in this analogy, us, and throw us all in the center, in the same place, hmm, then in transcendence we make waves. Hmm. Hmm. In relation to, in connection with our source, so there's movement there. So what is the point I'm making? Well, in that realm, hmm, where there's peace and love and more, hmm, there's no need for compassion. So there must be a higher idea, even of love that transcends even compassion. Hmm? This we call bhakti rasa. Hmm? Hmm. That is a big, big subject. Some of you are familiar with it hmm, to one extent or another. But in a basic sense, tonight, I'm saying there is a kind of love in transcendence that that isn't dependent upon somebody being in ignorance in order for it to be expressed or in, 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 in need deficient, or thinking themselves to be deficient, and so forth. Hmm. So for this world, oh, compassion is the biggest thing. Hmm. But the Godhead, let us say, living in transcendence, there's no one to bestow enlightenment upon. But if he is to be compassionate, then there needs to be a realm where where such compassion is required. Hmm. So if God is to be compassionate, we think he should at least be compassionate, right? As I'm saying, well, at least he should be compassionate and unbiased. Hmm? Not just in Israel or, you know, not not just in India or or wherever, you know, you think it might, but everywhere, right? Hmm? At least he should be like that.
So this is the the principle behind, in one sense, avatara. Crossing, tara means to cross, to cross from up to down. So from beyond time and space, for the Godhead to appear within time and space in some form or another, to bestow compassion, teach. Hmm? This is the idea of the avatara. Hmm? Um, and so, in the Bhagavad text, then, this Ram avatar, whom you're asking about, hmm, some some one particular day in the story or the Leela narrative of the drama of the life of the Absolute, going by the name of Ram, hmm, is, is celebrated, right? Hmm? And so, it's also found in the Bhagavad where avatar tattva is one of the subjects. Hmm? Krishna, the source of all different, many different faces of God. How many? Asankhya, countless. Hmm? But that doesn't mean that anybody says, I saw God, we're going to accept that. This is God, that's God. Some, we need some philosophy to, to, to determine what's, what are the parameters in, in which... Uh, or the criterion. Hmm? Hmm? So for this we have the help from sacred texts and so forth. Hmm? Hmm? Not just our imagination hmm? and the insights that the texts are based on or from which these insights are, are derived hmm? and put into practice and then experience and so forth. So many different faces of the Godhead and different religious traditions also. Some of them of value, some of them are not ego-effacing and doing away with the my hmm? and the false I. So they don't have really any currency, any, 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 any purchasing power in terms of getting a ticket to transcendence. Hmm? Traditions that actually charge us something. Hmm? There's a saying, well, if you don't have to pay for it, it's probably not very good. <laughs> so you've got to pay for it. You've got to pay to get on the train to transcendence. What will be the cost? You have to kill yourself. Hmm? <laughs> okay. How will I get on the train <laughs> then? No, the, the my, the, the I that comes out of the my, that you have to kill him, her. Hmm? Ego effacing. So this is, we want to hear, we hear about such nice ideas. There's, there's talked about poetically, transcendence, and universal love. Now we talk about how to go there. Well, I've got something else to do now. <laughs> it was a nice talk, but uh, when we get to that part, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I we want to do any work. I want to go there for free, but nothing's free, right? But it doesn't cost money, so that's good, right? You you have all that you need to do it with, to slay your ego. You have all that you need. If you have good association in the human life, saintly association, you have about, you have the ammunition and so forth. But it's a great, uh, great, great, great challenge. Um, so, so, just some preface, right? 
uh, help us. Uh, we want to talk about the Ram Avatar. So this is one of the faces of God and famous, famous one. And um, we should say a word about Leela, because this is the Ram. Leela means like drama, like a play. Hmm? Um, so if there is movement on the part of that which is everywhere, the omnipresent God, that must be a play. Hmm? Sometimes I've said if you know everything, you're omniscient, and you're everywhere, omnipresent, there's nowhere to go and there's, there's really nothing to do because you already know everything. So what do you do when you're bored? Then you play. You pretend something else. Hmm? Right? So Leela. He plays. And that play of the Godhead is also under the influence of devotion, of bhakti, of love. Hmm. Hmm. Right? That that's that ripple, I was talking, that interaction that makes the stillness of transcendence move. Here we're moving and it's the problem. The reason we're moving is because someone's chasing us. The reason someone is chasing us is because we're chasing someone. Hmm? So the hunters and the hunted, and the hunters are being hunted. So one living being is food for another. This is the plane of our present experience, struggle, therefore, uh, for existence. So to stop moving oh, and have no fear, hmm? This is a big step. Shanti, shanti, shanti. Peace, peace, peace. Mm. But now we're talking about a different kind of movement. Mm. A movement that's not generated, not, not, not driven by fear, apprehension, insufficiency, a lack that I'm trying to make up for, but a movement out of fullness, a celebratory type of movement. The mm. dance. Nietzsche, he said, if there was a god, he would be a dancer. There is. There is. His name is Krishna. And he's moving, dancing. And, and, and who, is, who is playing? The, what is the music to which he's dancing that is this bhakti? The reciprocal, the rapport, the, 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 the response. In one sense, as I've said, human life is just a big question. Why? Uh, the trees aren't asking why. The, the, the animals aren't asking why. They're asking how, so to speak. How to avoid this, how to get that. And, but we're troubled with why. Why am I? Meaning, purpose. Because we are a unit of that, and that's coming to the fore, right? In human life. And the sacred texts are an answer to that. Om, for example, that's the beginning, the first word of the sacred text of the Hindus, from which all the other words uh, expand. Om is a big affirmation, hmm? so to speak. Um, it's it's and then and the elaboration on that is an answer to the why. Hmm? Why am I? Why am I suffering? Why do I do I have to? What? 
Why can't I? You can. You can. You're just going about it the wrong way. Go within rather than without. Hmm? So this sacred texts, they're, they're a response, hmm? a compassionate response to the question that, uh, that human life is. And when we hear that response and hearken to it, hmm? then we start to interact with our source rather than ignore the source and remain in ignorance, suffering from attachment. We let go, we say, nothing's mine. If nothing is mine, that doesn't mean it doesn't belong to somebody. Right? That is the, who, who it belongs to. That is the center. Everyone is kind of a, a bit socialistic, but give it <laughs> everything to the center. Hmm? Hmm. But it won't be at the cost of your individuality. So... The capitalist advantage is also there in transcendence, along with the socialist advantage. Hmm? Put it in political terms. So, so our response to that, and therefore, then this ongoing, if you will, reciproc- reciprocal um Movement. I mean, love is evaluated evaluated on a scale of reciprocation to the extent to which you're actually getting through to one another and you're on the same page. Then we, we would evaluate the measure of one's love. So, so this this interaction between ourselves as a unit of consciousness and the God at our source that is causes movement in transcendence. Hmm? <clears throat> It's a bigger topic. We bring in the Swarup Shakti, you know, but we won't do that today. So, so this is a movement, Leela. Hmm? And sometimes that Leela overflows right into this world, hmm? into the, into, within time and space. Yeah, such Leelas have been documented, or they appear in the hearts of great devotees, in their minds, in their spiritual imagination. Hmm? Just like matter is thought sometimes to be a sea of potentialities, if you interact with the will, then it will materialize. So, in transcendent, there's a sea of possibilities also. You come in touch with that, and you exercise your will in relation to it then. So, this way, different forms of the Godhead, different faces of the Godhead. So, Ram is one. Hmm, right? There are many great devotees of Ram, like Hanuman, Hanuman, Dikijay, Sita Ram, Lakshman, Hanuman. That's a beautiful story. One of the one of the most uh, one of the most beautiful and uh, well uh, and, and widely read and celebrated in art, music, and dance in India. Epics, celebrated epics of the sacred text, the life of of Ram. Hmm. Very touching uh, story. Um, one of the features of Ram's Leela is that he's like too good to be true. Hmm? He's too morally... No one can be like that. So if you're, if you're reading it, you think, no one could be that. No one could be like that. He couldn't... He's so like... 
do the right. It's always the right time to do the right. It's always the right time to do the right thing. Hmm? He's always doing it. Hmm? To quote Martin Luther King. So he's so much like that that you start to think he can't be human. <laughs> we try to be morally correct, so to speak, in our human uh, endeavors. That's not the sum and substance of, of loving God. Moral constraints are, are, are trying to take us from animality to humanity. And if we become a human in the true sense of the term, by inquiring about our prospect in transcendence that human life affords us the, the, the opportunity to do, then we move from humanity to spirituality. So from animality to humanity to spirituality. And the moral perspective is like the cage that tries to take us from the, from the animality. But we need to come out of the cage also. Because after all, love is not something that's caged, right? It's spontaneous and natural and free. We see the animals run. We, let, we are so attracted to the freedom that they you know, appear to have. We want to run like that. And be, of course, they are constrained and so forth. It's just an appearance. It's the way our self reads the, reads the world, if you will. Some water. Some water. It happens in temples. They do burn incense. <coughs> okay, no problem. So, where were we? Well, we're, we're right, 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 right. So, so, uh, so at any rate, the Ram, Leela, Ram is so morally righteous. If you if you study, you think these guys, he says nobody could be like this. It's true. Nobody can be like that. He's God. But he's not, the Leela is not just teaching morality. So when we look closer, and we find how Hanuman loves him, what is the, the, the feelings of Hanuman, Param. The feelings of Lakshman, Param. Sita for Ram. So some bhakti, bhakti rasa, Ram bhakti. This is far beyond the moral life, right? So his Leela is an expression of bhakti rasa, and it, it is a window of opportunity for those who are influenced by sadhus of that saints of that persuasion, a window to enter into, like Hanuman. Hmm. You can become like Hanuman, to love Ram. Hmm. So, otherwise, 
as as the story goes, and relative to your to your question, of course, there is uh, injustice in the story. I mean, see, you can take the story at many levels. Hmm? Often, it, I, I say this because often it's taken at a very superficial level. Here is a story, a mythology about bad guys and good guys, <laughs> and the good guys win. And okay, next. So, but it, it's much more than that. That's there too. That's there too. But much more than that. And, and some very basic instructions are there. Hmm? Ravana, the bad guy, right? He tried to build a, a golden staircase to heaven. Hmm? Right? Hmm? So, you, you, the idea is, is that's not, you're not going to force your way in. You know, there was the guy, and I told this story before, I told the other day too, but he went to church. And when this is a Catholic church, so they used to, I don't know if they still do that, but they stick this thing in the aisle, you know, while you're sitting down and you're supposed to put money in the basket and they pull it out, you know, like that. So anyway, he put $5 in the basket and then he went out of the church and got run over by a bus. Nothing happened. He didn't commit any sins in between giving the five bucks and getting run over by the bus. So he went to heaven and there was Jai and Vijay or Peter and Paul the, at the gates right there are gates there so not everybody gets in right so they were, they were at the gates and Peter and Paul they, and he said um, I, you know I'm ready to go in and then so Peter said well let me see if your name's in the book so looking in the book and looking and he can't, I said I can't find your name in the book and so he says better look further because I just gave five bucks, you know, and I haven't done anything in between. And so, well, I can't find it. He said, well, go ask God. It must be, you know. So Peter said, well, yeah, it makes sense. Maybe, yeah. So he asked God, and, and and God said, well, what's up? And he says, well, his name's not in the book. He says, so? But he just gave five bucks. So God said, well, give him his five bucks back. Tell him go to hell. <laughs> so with that, we're kind of back where we started. If the infinite wants the finite to know about itself, <laughs> it can. <laughs> if not, it's not possible. <laughs> we have to have invitations. So. But there is an invitation. It's an open invitation. Hmm? Saintly persons are passing out the letters, the invitations come to the party, so to speak. So Ram Leela, this is going on. But there's there some basic lessons that are taught there, too. So you can't force your way into into transcendence, right? You can't, nothing, the currency from this world is false there. It doesn't have any purchasing power in a world where there's no death. Hmm? No. Hmm. So there's some very basic lessons and, and, and those are important lessons to have in place for the practitioner in order to realize and experience the higher um, lessons and possibilities that uh, that the leader affords us, hmm? like to love, have union with the Godhead, like Hanuman did. Hmm? It's very, very touching, very powerful. Hmm? And of course, he was a big helper in defeating the Ravana, the bad, bad guy, right? <clears throat> and so, this is a very when 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 Ravana was defeated, and Sita was was rescued, and so forth. Then, um, then Ram, who had been exiled uh, for reasons of his own um, 
moral sensibilities because his father was was um, had promised his wife, if you ever ask a benediction, you've done this for me, if you ever ask for anything, I'll definitely give it to you. So she asked, because she had been bad, had bad association, that Ram, his son, would be banished. And another person, another boy, would become the king. And Ram's father was about ready to pass out, and he, he said, I'm not going to hold up that promise. Anyway, that's a long story, because he was so, everybody wanted Ram to be the, the king. But Ram didn't want his father's word ever to be broken, so he exiled himself, right? So he's in the forest, and then Ravana came and kidnapped Sita, and then the whole intrigue to defeat Ravana and capture back Sita, and so forth. So when that's over, then Ram returns to Ayodhya. And this is perhaps, I mean, one of the really most touching uh, scenes in the whole of the Ramayana, and all around the whole city, the walls are lit with ghee lamps to welcome him and to emphasize his illuminating hmm, capacity uh, and for so long that they've they've been in separation so separation makes the heart grow fonder this is part of the movement and transcendence union and separation union and separation hmm. And keeps the thing going around like the high tide and the low tide of the ocean of love. Hmm? So Krishna's Ram, they're everywhere. He's everywhere. But in the Leela, he's here. And when he's here, he's not there. Hmm? And so now one devotee is, is experiencing his union. Another is experiencing his separation. But he's present in his separation hmm? in the longing that makes the heart grow grow fonder. It said, in union with Krishna, he's in one place. In separation, he's everywhere. Hmm? When you love someone, when you have something very valuable, you don't really know how valuable it is until you lost it. Oh no, where's my phone? <laughs> Oh no, how valuable it is, or whatever may be the case, right? So in the separation, then everywhere I'm looking for it, everywhere, or you can, everything reminds you of, hmm, they've got a phone, he's got a phone. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> just to use a crude example. <laughs> I'm on their phone. They're there, but where's my? So, when you lose something valuable, hmm, then just then it causes you to love it that much more. Hmm. So there's this play in the leela of union and separation. So the inhabitants of of um, Ayodhya had a separation from Ram for for yuga, hmm, right, for twelve years. Hmm. And now he's coming back. So it's a very, very uh, touching scene. And all the lights are lit, the light of their life. And Ram Lila ke jai, Sita Ram Hanuman ke jai, Lakshman ke jai. What else? What's the time? Seven twenty-five.
something that was indicating that um, like Krishna comes to destroy the demoniac, but Ram also did that. He destroyed like so many Raksha, a whole race of Rakshasas. Yeah, Krishna says he comes to do that in different forms. Yeah. Hmm. He says, Yuge, Yuge, Sambhavami, Yuge, come again and again in different forms. Hmm. The task is similar. That's one thing. Yeah. And what is the other thing? Paritranaya Sadhunam, to, to meet with those the devotees who cannot bear his separation any longer. That's the real driving force, brings him to the world within time and space. And as a byproduct, deal with the Ravanas. Right? Okay, so we'll stop there. Sri Sri Varadamadavaki Jai Guru Bhaktivinoda Ki Jai Mohur Premanande Jai